I don't know about you, has anyone here had a pet lamb? No one? Yes, some of you. I had friends with pet lambs and uh, I always wanted a pet lamb. They're so adorably cute. Used to enjoy feeding them, giving them a hug and that lovely smell of lanolin. They were beautiful. Um, I've never had a pet goat, but I've heard tales of goats escaping and um, ruining people's gardens, eating the azaleas and the roses and what have you. So um, my view of them is that they cause a bit of mischief and mayhem. Today's reading uh, talks about the sheep and the goats, and we'll get to them shortly. So in the beginning of Matthew 24, two days before the Passover feast, the disciples go to Jesus privately on the Mount of Olives and ask him what will be the sign of his coming again and when would it happen. He first warns them about false prophets, then persecution, and he describes the coming and that the Son of Man will appear in the sky. But he says that the day and the hour will be unknown. From uh, 2436, there are five parables, all dealing with some aspect of watchfulness. Not the kind of watchfulness where you sit and wait. It is the type of watchfulness that requires action. We have responsibilities and duties to perform. We need wisdom, foresight, and obedience. And then we will be rewarded for our readiness. In today's reading, Jesus is talking about how he will will return as the all-powerful king with the final judgment. And he does this by using the analogy of sheep and goats. Now, the goats in the Middle East do do not look like these goats that we have here. Middle Eastern goats look more like sheep and can be hard to distinguish the difference. They may look the same, but they are not the same. And in those times, sheep and goats spent the days grazing together and were often separated at night. The sheep tolerated the cool air, but the goats had to be herded together for warmth. And then he says that the sheep will be on his right side and the goats on his left. Now, traditionally, the right side is the place of power and honour, and the left side is for punishment. Those on his right will be blessed by the Father and will take their inheritance in the kingdom, and those on the left will be departed from his presence. So why are the sheep favoured over the goats? Why do they get to take the inheritance in the kingdom? Now, this is a tough passage, I know, and some of you will find it difficult. You may be thinking, but Jesus loves everyone. How can this be the nature of a loving God? And you're right. God does love everyone. He says so in John 3.16, so familiar to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now today's passage passage is not saying he doesn't love us. He does, I can assure you. He loves both the sheep and the goats. God loves all his children, even the ones that don't love him back. But not all will receive the inheritance. And the scriptures are clear about that. These passages can be tough, 
but I think it's good to be able to wrestle with tough scriptures. And keep in mind that all kings demand loyalty. History has shown what happens to those who are loyal and what happens to those who are not loyal. Uh, Whether it is within the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, France, China and England. And Jesus is talking about his coming back as the king and he expects loyalty to him. So why have they earned the king's favour? Well, apart from being the sheep are much cuter than the goats, in my opinion, it is their faith in Jesus that sets them apart, and their actions are based on their faith in Christ. In John 6, 40, Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. That is a decisive point. It is their belief and their faith in the Son of God, Jesus. They have obeyed the first and ultimate command to love God with all their hearts, minds, and souls. And out of that love, they have obeyed his command to love others. They have taken care of those he has commanded them to take care of because of their love for Jesus. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The way we serve determines whether or not we are Christ's disciples. How we treat others is how we treat Jesus. How we treat others is how we treat Jesus. In 1968, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights leaders launched a poor people's campaign to tackle the triplets of evil. Systemic racism, poverty, and militarism. When he proposed this campaign, he described it as a freedom church for the poor. And if I can get this on. There we go. And during one of the many protests, there was a wagon that read, Don't laugh, folks. Jesus was a poor man. And Jesus was a poor man. In this time... Uh, In his time, most people who lived under the rule of the Roman Empire were considered expendable. Elite rulers extracted wealth from all the lands they conquered, pushing people to hunger, homelessness, and the brink of starvation, and sometimes over the edge into slavery and death. Luke 9.58 says that Jesus had no place to lay his head, which is another way of saying that he was homeless. Jesus was a carpenter, which was of manual labour similar to low-wage work by today's standard, not like our builders today. He relied on the generosity of others for food and places to stay, and many of them were poor themselves. Jesus and his disciples and those they ministered to were poor, subjected and oppressed. They were the expendables. 
And sadly, according to many indicators from a joint study by the Modern Day People's Campaign and the Institute for Policy Studies in America, says that the systemic problems from voting rights to mass incarceration to wealth inequity have deepened since 1968. And we're seeing this in our own country. In recent years, a new term has sprung up, the working poor, which refers to those who are working but are still unable to make ends meet. And we're seeing skyrocketing costs of rent, food, housing and education. So as followers of Jesus, we are expected to help people around us, especially the poor, because in God's eyes, whether we are rich or poor, we are all equal. He asks us to be humble and generous to everyone, even to the people who hurt us. And remember that Jesus tells us through the Bible that we are to love God and to love others. Hebrews 13, 6, 13 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Proverbs 14.31 Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honours him. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to help those around you, especially as Christmas is approaching, we have many appeals here, but also not just about Christmas, but to continue the good work throughout the year. And I know a lot of you here, St Barnabas is a very generous parish. Um, you do a lot of good work, and I can, uh, commend you and encourage you to continue that. Because you are feeding and clothing and helping Jesus himself. Now, I don't know if you have had times where the kindness and generosity of others have made a huge difference in your life, but uh, Jeff and I certainly have. Many years ago, when he was a student at Bible College, the boys were really young, and we had our lawnmower stolen, uh, which I don't know if my husband was too worried about, really. <laughs> he didn't like mowing the lawns. But anyway, we'd only had it, it was a few months old, and we were still paying it off. And we didn't have the $150 excess to claim for insurance. We were extremely upset. Well, I was. Um, I went to the mailbox one day, and there was an envelope with $150 cash. Now, we hadn't hardly told anyone about our situation, but there it was. Man, we were so grateful and felt really loved. Someone did that for us. We have no idea who it was to this day, but they were serving God by helping us. And sometimes it can just be a little thing that can make a difference. Someone recently left me a beautiful and uh, delicious club sandwich in the fridge. And I was very grateful because I had left my lunch at home that day. A small act of kindness can make a great difference to someone. It's not always about the money. It's also about kindness, about sharing stuff, spending time with people, praying for people, and showing people respect. So if I were to sum this passage up, it would be with a quote by a man named Marcus Aurelius, a Roman emperor who lived from 161 to 180 AD. And his quote was even used in a very well-known Hollywood blockbuster movie, Gladiator. And this is what he says. 
What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do here and now matters. How we treat others matters. And most importantly is how we respond to Jesus that matters. It all matters because it matters to Jesus, our King. He wants us to love him, and through our love and loyalty to him, he wants us to treat others as if they were him. What we do shows our heart. Jesus wants us to follow him into his kingdom. In God's kingdom, there will be no one without food, no one sick or suffering from illnesses, There will no longer be pain. No one will be without clothing or housing, and there will be no loneliness. What a wonderful thought that is. An inheritance worth wanting and waiting for. Let us pray. God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people and your incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority power and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and we thank you god that you place all things under jesus's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of you who fills everything in every way may we we remember these things and put into action what you have commanded and also placed in our hearts. Help us to be loyal subjects and to do the good works that you have set before us. With grateful thanks and praise, we ask this in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Christ Jesus. Amen.